You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Ramley John, who is the Managing Director at Product Lead, where he works with companies to accelerate their growth using PLG strategies. He's the author of a recently published book and now confirmed Amazon bestseller, Product Lead Onboarding. <laughs> he is also the co-host of Product Lead Podcast, and he currently resides in Toronto, Canada with his wife, Joanna and their two beautiful dogs. Ramley, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Our listeners are really excited to meet you and get to know you a bit better. Same here. Thanks for the invite, Daryl. I'm super, super excited and stoked that we're talking about marketing focus on Canada. I think that's not often talked about enough. I know. We need to have more more people like us who like to talk about it more. For sure, man. I'm yeah. With you. yeah, especially from a budget perspective, eh? For sure. I mean, budget as well as, yeah, I think just... Often we're taught about us less risky and more risk averse. And I think that's the reason why we don't see as many, you know, we're seeing more unicorn companies rise up. But like, I think I just love to see more like really awesome companies growing, homegrown in Toronto, in Canada. It doesn't matter where Toronto, Vancouver, anywhere. And I'm just, I'm just proud to, to be a Canadian and just seeing more companies like Walt Simple and, and ClearBank and all this stuff really yeah, grow. absolutely. And I think that's a really, really awesome transition into your origin story. Obviously, you're very passionate about what you do about the marketing industry in Canada directly, and you directly impact it quite a bit with the books you publish, with the company that you run. But I think our listeners are really interested into hearing, you know, a little bit of your origin story and how you how you got into marketing. So can you share a little bit with with our listeners about what that looks like? Yeah, I started off my career in web development, actually, or not web, just development. I was actually developing a very long lost programming language called COBOL, which if anybody is listening, it that's like so old, written in 70s and a lot of banks still use it. So I was working for a CPG company. And I just realized I wanted to start a company. So I started one, built code. I built like, uh, I did, I've never heard this thing before where like, build it and they will come. That was like my mentality. Unfortunately, that, you know, any story starts off with that saying, build it and they will come. Usually doesn't end well. And it didn't end well for that. But their startup, I started with another developer friend. And one of the challenges that we had was, we were having a hard time trying to acquire users to that app. And I was like, one of my lifelong goals is to start a company and mm-hmm. eventually sell it uh, like like you like you have, which is amazing. But that's one of my goals. And my gap in skills is marketing. So I started blogging about it, about lean startup and marketing. And I started getting consulting work through my blog. This is way back in 2006 or seven, where the, the term Oof, content the market- West days. <laughs> The term content marketing was new. People were like, content marketing yeah. is a thing. And now, now everybody's like, content marketing is it? It is like just the norm. So that it, so that's where I got really, really got into consulting, reading wow. more blogs. And I ended up leading some VC-backed marketing for some VC-backed companies based out of Toronto after that. Now, I help companies wow. optimize their onboarding experience, which is a critical part of, of marketing that we, we can talk a little bit more about later but like that's that's where i am right now 
A- absolutely. Love hearing that you you saw a gap in your skills and you attacked it right head on and created a blog about it. Now, this makes me curious about a couple of things. One one fun thing, what platform back in 2006 were oh, you, what, was it a, how, what did you blog on? Like what, what right. were you using? Good thing that I understood a little bit about WordPress because like back then WordPress getting that going was like, oh my goodness, what's happening here? <laughs> so uh, I, I made some, a lot of tweaks in terms of, oh man, I, I kind of nerded out, spent too much time again on like tweaking oh. the CSS and all the different stuff. So I was blogging on WordPress uh, and I'm 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 embarrassed with the stuff I was writing then, and the way that it looked. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's that, that's great. Thanks for sharing. And the second thing that kind of prompts me to think about is, you know, when you started writing about the topics, or at least choosing the topics and and what to, to delve into when it got to, got into marketing. You know, the example of content marketing being something new at the time, and you want to learn more and talking about it. As you look at your growth from then until today, do you still take that same approach and address, you know, some of those those potential gaps that you see in your knowledge head on like that? Because I think that's really a really inspirational type of approach for people. Yeah, I mean, I think people are doing it now where they call it build it in public or learn in public, where you would write on Twitter, on indie hackers, on other communities about stuff that you're learning and sharing what failed, what didn't work. And that it helps build audience because there's a little bit of authenticity when you share things, things that don't work, right? Yeah, Uh, sharing about things that wasn't working at all. It's really, really a great way to to build your audience uh, as a a personal brand or organization when you're sharing and building an audience and sharing your learnings as you get going. That's how I looked at it. On the second point, there's also the second reason why it is it's one of the primary reasons why I started a podcast. I, I host another podcast on my own called Growth Marketing Today, where I I interview people about, about marketing and I'm, I'm it's a little bit selfish. I interview people on something that they're experts in that I want to learn about, like influencer marketing, or I had somebody talk about TikTok marketing. I don't know what tech. I'm I'm too old for for TikTok, right? <laughs> so I had somebody who is younger than yeah. me schooling me about TikTok marketing. How do you get content? How do you get views? How, TikTok ads, and really that, that's how I look at that. Is I'm learning from talking to somebody, but I'm able to share that in turn with the audience with stuff that I'm learning, stuff I want to learn about. And one of the best ways, in my opinion, maybe just for me. One of the best ways that I'm I learn is through just conversations. Yeah. Because sometimes like reading a book is like, oh my goodness, I have to read through this book. Even an audiobook, you have to sit through it. And things are moving too too fast in the tech scene where there are things that hasn't been written or talked about on podcasts where it's in somebody's brain. And yeah. having that conversation on on conversations through podcasts is a great way for you to learn, but also to share your learning that you have. Absolutely. Well, I, I think our listeners are going to be very curious in terms of uh, the hat that you're wearing right now and speaking to, you know, you talking to experts and people that have information in their brain. Can you tell myself and explain to our listeners, you know, what is, what is product, product-led and when would they look for, you know, your help? Yeah, product-led has really been around for years, right? And it's not been, mm-hmm. hasn't been called product-led. It's a lot of consumer apps like Netflix or Spotify or Duolingo, 
where what they would try to do is give you even mobile app games. They would try mm-hmm. to get you to try the app first, experience the value, experience the game before they try to reel you in to become a customer, a paying customer. In the B2B world, in general, what it's, it's been historically is the way to buy software is you need to request a demo. I'm not sure about you, Daryl, but I don't, I'm not a, I don't like talking to sales. There are some people who do, but that whole paradigm yeah. has, has starting to shift now in the B2B world where like, hey, sure, it's B2B, but you're, all, you're, not just sell, you're not really selling to a business. You're selling to a person within that business and mm-hmm. the way that they buy in their personal life at Costco where they try before they buy. <laughs> I, I, with Netflix where you can do a seven-day trial before you actually co- uh, make the purchase. It's mm-hmm. not, they're starting to demand that in the B2B world with buying software. And that's what product-led is all about where you lead with showing value before you actually close the deal. And now what you want to do with product like growth is tie your success to the users, to the customer success. So the more that they, let's say for Calendly, or let's say we're recording through Squadcast right now, which mm-hmm. is recording through podcasts, the more that you're successful and record more episodes with this tool, the more that you'll hopefully pay because now you're you're building your business, your persona around it. And when you're still a new podcaster, you pay less. So it just scales up. So the success really tied to it. And that's what we're seeing. There's a lot of strategies and tactics around that. And we help, mm-hmm. what we do a product-led is help those sales-led organizations who are still stuck with requesting a demo to make that shift and make changes in their organizations, mentality, their momentum and their product and pricing to help them to a more product-led approach where it's buyer-centric versus very sales person centric. Definitely. And that's something that resonates really strongly with me. Several parts of what you said, I can't even count on 10 fingers and 10 toes. How many of those demos I've been in for, you know, 20, 40, $50,000 a year software that all always seem to tell me they can do everything. And then mm. with the second we onboard them in the actual paid process, not even the trial process, we find out that it's not delivering on what they were promising on or what mm. they had said that it could happen, you know, what they said they could support us on. So I think instrumental shift in helping companies show the audience what their value is and onboarding those audiences specifically to their platform is going to really then, you know, make that huge difference for lifelong uh, clients and lifelong customers. Now, I know, mm. you know, you mentioned that onboarding is 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 the crux or is is maybe not the crux i know you have that term as well but um right. onboarding is is one of the most pivotal moments of of saas companies how do you think onboarding has shifted over the last 5 years sure i mean the way that i compared it to is going back to that sales side approach and you talked you started talking about it there already where how do you get onboarded in traditional and B2B, let's say with Oracle or where there's still this enterprise approach, which it works. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. It just mm-hmm. It's a lot of friction for, for folks and not everybody wants to talk to sales once again. The way to get onboarded is that if somebody jumps on a sales call, right? Mm-hmm. And then they show you around, they hold the keys, the door, they're, they're gatekeepers to, to the product and to the value. Once they've shown it to you, Daryl, are you ready to make a purchase? 
I'll give you a discount. So you make the purchase for a, usually a year contract, some kind of some kind of locked in contract. Once you're in, you're now inside the product finally, yeah. <laughs> right? And you're showing and it's like, man, this this is not why I expected. You you mentioned yeah. it earlier around making promises that that doesn't show in when you start experiencing the product. And maybe you'll get a handhold onboarding from somebody from customer success. Well, they'll point you around because it's very confusing. Some, think about Salesforce where they have so many things you can do with that software and you might need somebody to help you out. And that's exactly what it is. On the other end, now, there's this, there's this whole try it before you buy uh, with the product-led movement where there is no... some There isn't... There isn't somebody explaining to you what the product is, how to use it, where the features are that you might find interesting. And now you have to help, quote unquote, self-serve people through the product and really experiencing that value. And I think about the onboarding, a good onboarding is like throwing a party and you're a great host. Mm-hmm. If you things are starting to open up in Toronto, I'm not sure, sure what it is in Vancouver, but uh, we're fully you throw, open. <laughs> oh, you're really? Okay, so we're starting yeah. fully open. When you throw a party as a host, you know, as a get, if Daryl, if you come over to my place, I invite you as a guest. I want to make sure if I was a great host, hopefully I, I am. I'll, I'll, I'll greet you. I'll say, hey, hey, Daryl, how's it going? I'll yeah. show you. I'll show you where the toilet is. It's very, very important, <laughs> right? Here's yeah, the toilet, yeah. Daryl. I'll show you where yeah. the food is. I'll, I'll show yeah. you where the drinks are at. And maybe yeah. if there's a hot tub or a karaoke machine, I'll ask you, Daryl. Yeah. What would you like to? What's fun for you? What would you like to do today? Do you want to go to the hot tub? Do you want to go yeah. karaoke? Do you yeah, want to yeah. grill some barbecue or something? What is fun for you? So now I'm creating this experience for you, this great experience, and essentially that's what onboarding is: creating that experience for people to feel welcome, to to get pointed to value, and chances are there, if, if you had a great experience, you're going to invite back. your friends. You're going to come back. Yeah. You're going to invite your friends. Yeah, and that exactly. really is the, the that's the reason why I say it's the crux, it's the pivotal moment is because if you create that first great first impression, like that party, retention is so key for any type of business, even e-commerce where returning customers is five to six times cheaper than trying to acquire new new customers. So creating that first impression is such an important part of the journey if we miss it. Like like anything in life, if that first date, like if that first job interview, if that first networking, the first time you meet somebody is not is it's it, it totally flopped. The chances yeah. of you coming back for a second date or getting that second interview or or going back to a second coffee for networking will will not happen. And that's exactly it's, why I see it here. It's, it's so critical and pivotal. Wow, I love I love that comparison to the house party. I hope you you have a whole chapter on that in the book. You know, when you say that, it's like, yeah, would I rather go to a, a party where there's someone standing outside the door? You said gatekeeper, but someone standing outside the door, you know, dressed all nice and being like, do you want to come into this great party I'm hosting? Look at this beautiful facade of the house that I have. Look at my cars that I have in my driveway. Do you want to come into the door? Well, you got to pay me first versus Mm. going over to, you know, you, the next door neighbor who I can hear the music. I'm going to come in. I get to see and everything. And then, and then after like 10 minutes or so, you go, do you want to stay and invite your friends maybe? Okay. Well, great. Mm. You know, And, and I love that, that kind of. Clearly, I miss going to house parties. Basically, is what your <laughs> takeaway is here. <laughs> I, I love how you, you you push that metaphor. I'm going to start using that going forward. Uh, well, it's a, it's we're, a we're, you're with, 
when you're living in the pro- when that's product led you're you're cooking exactly. barbecue and you're making the smell <laughs> flow out you're, exactly. you're pumping up the music so people hear it uh, so yeah. like you're lead, you're really leading with the value right away with the pro- with the product like the barbecue smell or the music so yeah. thank you for for sharing that. I'm going to start oh, using it going oh, forward. Awesome. I'll look for it. Uh, but that that that's great. And, and you know when man when you talked about content marketing and when you started blogging and how you were talking about it back then and it was this unknown and now everyone adopts it. When you're starting to when you're explaining product led to me right now, I'm sure for myself as some of our audience members will also resonate with is the way that you're describing the free trial and being able to show here are different different features, you try it out, then you figure out if you want to work with us or not. How was this ever not the way that people mm. marketed their products? It's the way that our consumer habits are today are are in such that if if it's not product led, it seems like it's a scam. It seems mm. like it's going to be right. something that that backfires on you. So that's that's really great because all that shows and what the hell makes you you're ahead of the curve and what you're doing and the lessons that you're teaching and and that mission that you're driving home is something that's desperately needed across the industry. Now, I want to touch on another topic. You had talked about being a growth marketer at, at, at the core of something that inspires you and, and something that, that moves you forward. I've heard this term growth marketer a lot in my industry. Mm. I've met people that are excellent growth marketers. I've met people that I don't know if they're excellent growth (laughs) marketers or not, you know? And then I met some people where I'm like, this person's lying through their teeth. So I would love to know from your position, someone who is is a successful growth marketer and has done this before, when you meet someone who is a growth marketer, how do you diagnose whether they know what they're talking about and one that doesn't know what they're talking about? Wow, I've never been asked this. this. Is such a good question around what makes a good growth marketer? Yeah, I mean the way that I I think about it, and something that I've actually written on on Twitter or or LinkedIn is around it's easy when you show your resume, right? Like or your your LinkedIn, you you mm-hmm. state you state the stuff a growth marketer has accomplished, whether that's increasing conversion rate by X percent or increasing recurring revenue by this much. All of that could be a team effort and that growth marketer just did a very small thing. The way that I, I look at it is if they can explain the why, the how and the process exactly and how mm. they achieve that. And I ask, what are things that didn't work that you tried and what were some learnings? I think at the core of, I mean, to your point about growth marketing, I feel like growth marketer is now becoming just marketer. <laughs> it's just it's just what smart marketing does is they experiment and test out before they they launch. And yeah. it's something that somebody pointed out even uh, around when growth hacking was big or starting around seven years ago. It's like, man, this is a, this has been around in seventies, and this is what you do is you want to test out two different things for for optimizing something. And I think that's exactly what it is at the core of it is learning. All right, what are they learning? What are things that they're um, finding out that's not working and pivoting or changing direction to things that are, are ones that are particularly working is what I, I would define as a, a growth marketer. Somebody who can explain the process they do and explain stuff that they've tried that they, that haven't worked and they're open to that suggestions. There's this other term around growth marketer called growth mindset where you're open to feedback and you know that you grow through 
sometimes through paying like it's like going to the gym like i haven't gone to the gym for a while <laughs> things like for for because it's closed because like, it's closed yeah yeah it's closed yeah, they yeah. just started opening up last like last this fr- last friday in toronto the gyms yeah. which is so weird still but you you grow muscles through ripping apart those those cells you know through pain there's a saying no pain no gain it's the same thing with growth mm-hmm. and, and marketing is if you can't show show me the pain you can't, if you can't show me the failure then then is it and so I'm, i i start questioning if the, the, if this is legit or not what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co absolutely that's such a good way of putting it if you can't talk about the learnings from your mm-hmm. failures it either means you're lying about the amount of times mm, you failed yeah. or you're unable to learn from your actual mistakes, which are both right. massive red flags with any hire, let alone a growth marketer. So that's a really good way of putting it. I haven't been to the gym too since COVID happened too, purely because the gyms are closed. That's all. Is it, it's not open. It's not open. Is it open now in Vancouver? They're the open. Gyms? They're open. Yeah. Vancouver oh. has a lot of, I mean, Toronto's the same thing, but a lot of like popular like, group exercise, like ride right. and those have been open for a while too, which is oh, which is which is great. Yeah, Toronto's actually been the worst out of all of uh, Canada. Like closed for yeah. you, you guys. Just your barber, your barber's just opened up. And I'm getting <laughs> yeah. my haircut for like six months. <laughs> Not us. No. Yeah, uh, I wore a lot of hats in the beginning of COVID. That's for sure. Um. Well, I, I'd love to talk about your book a little bit because that's something that's super interesting. I think it, it you know, not only does it legitimize that you you have a, a bunch of concepts that you can talk a lot about successes and failures included, but it's something that's new to me, and I've never thought about undertaking such a massive undertaking and and being able to put out something that is so informative and want to educate. But I I do, you know, some of those qualities of why you want to write a book and share knowledge, I I do find very valuable. So remind our listeners, what is your book called? And and ultimately, um, when was it published? And where can they find it first? I want to be able to start with that. Sure. I mean, it's it's called product-led onboarding and the tagline is how to turn users into lifelong customers. Uh, it was published June 8th, 2021. So that was just a recent, s- wow. five, six, five, six weeks ago. Congrats. Uh, and yeah, people, yeah, thanks. Uh, people can find it. I'm doing it product-led. So you can download the first chapter at onboardingbook.com, but that, that can lead you into to Amazon. You can find it anywhere on Amazon now for to, to, to purchase on Kindle or a paperback version as well. That's awesome. Can you, uh, oh, I just realized that you're literally doing product like marketing with your book, with that free chapter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a plan. Yeah. value. Give our audience, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of a tease and, and maybe talk us through uh, three different concepts explored and some takeaways. And we can, this doesn't have to be super in depth. I know you obviously could go into a book about it, uh, but, but yeah, give us, give us a little tease about what we can expect. Yeah. I mean, in that book, I share a six step framework that I've seen over and over again, applied in terms of improving onboarding is something that West Bush's CEO product and I have implemented at companies like Mixpanel. Uh, we've worked with somebody from Microsoft, uh, from Ubisoft uh, and awesome. other companies. Essentially this is, this is usually when people think about onboarding. Uh, the first thing they think about is let's just let's just slap on let's just slap on a product to a Ramly and we'll be fine. 
And I was like, whoa, whoa, one second. There's a few <laughs> things that you need to do. There's foundational stuff. It's like building yeah. a house yeah. and forgetting that you need to have that, that core foundation or else that walls will topple down. And yeah. those core foundational stuff is uh, in the six-step framework. Uh, it's called Eureka. So I can easily remember. It's a mnemonic device for myself so that when I'm in shows like this, I can remember the first three Genius. of that. <laughs> the first three of that Eureka framework is the foundational stuff. It's establishing an onboarding team, making sure that it's not just a soul. Usually when I hear onboarding improvements, it's product. But marketing has such a critical role in improving the the first experience for users. Think about the copy, the mm-hmm. words that, that's used in the product tour, the emails, often is assigned, is done by product and engineering when that's mm-hmm. not their specialty, right? Like we, like as marketing folks, we know how to influence behavior or use emotions, and that's such a core part that is often missed by teams because they don't think about marketing at all. So right from the get go, I say, man, make sure you pull the marketing team in, the product, the customer success, and sales because all of them contribute to that first impression. And if we drop the baton so to speak, between each of those teams for new users, then we don't have a, a very streamlined experience for users and they're going to get lost and confused. So that's establish uh, your onboarding team. Then you want to understand what success is for users that you are to refine that first experience to make sure the milestones are set. And then mm-hmm. you you is understanding and then outlining the whole straight, that, that first impression step by step. K is to keep users involved inside the product and keep them engaged. And A is to ap- apply the changes and repeat over and over again. So it's not like a massive project. You want to make sure that it's a cyclical pr- process. So, I mean, just this, that's just the six steps that I see over and over again that it's applied to really improving onboarding. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. I'm, I'm sure that more than a few of our audience members will probably snipe on over to, uh, to Amazon. I'd love to take a step back. Thanks for sharing about your book and your background. I think your perspective is definitely very valuable. And having the uh, career and professional trajectory you have, I think I'm really interested into your views on some trends in marketing and and in their industry. So personally for yourself, you know, what are some trends you're seeing in marketing in general, in the brands that you love to follow? Hmm. Yes. I mean, and and to put context B2B is where I, I see the trends. It's where I play. One trend that I see uh, in the B2B space is more of the consumerization of the marketing. And the way I mean by that is people looking at B2B. And this is where product like came from. B2B looking at B2C apps and like Duolingo uh, other apps. It's like, huh, they doing this free stuff. We should try this out. And now B2B marketers are starting to realize the value of brand and the value of building a persona, uh, not a persona, but like building an emotional connection that a lot of direct-to-consumer products are doing so well because mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of, let's say you're trying to launch like razor, let's say razor blades, which is like there's a bunch of razor blades. And then there's that, that I forget which one it is, but they 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 did this commercial that's absolutely funny. And they, they, they talked about their, their razor. It's like the daily razor blade or one razor a day blade. Mm, that mm, the DDC. Mm, you know mm. what I'm talking about, right? Right. Buck what a is, shave. Buck a shave or yeah, something like that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Dollar Shave Club. Ad. Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club, yes. Yeah, exactly. that was awesome. It was funny. Yeah. B2B often is like um, suits, personal, uh, you know, like proper. But 
you're we're selling to humans and at the end of the day we're trying to capture their attention and when when you see uh companies that act more b2c like uh, let's say drift or gong gong is a, a sales a sales tool uh, or drift is like a a way to have conversation with people in your website directly they're, they're starting to showcase their their founders they're showcasing stories and they're they're more consumer focus more consumer style marketing that mm-hmm. i'm seeing i'm seeing other brands also jump into youtube like Ahrefs, which is an SEO tool, and they're trying to take advantage of TikTok, like <laughs> like all this stuff that, that a lot of B two C channels are now becoming a B two B play because they're realizing that wow. hey man, B two B B two C doesn't matter. It's it's human to human marketing at, at the end of the day, and we have to connect on an emotional level with them wherever they're at. Such an interesting trend and something that I'm going to challenge my team to do. We work with a couple B two B clients. And I know it's something that is regularly within our pitch cycle, about 30% or so are all B2B clients. And I think that type of approach is is definitely something that I'll at least challenge my team to start thinking about. Thank you for sharing. When it comes to advice, obviously, again, want to tap into that brain and that experience that you have. But I would love for you to leave our audience with, with some advice um, especially the audience members. So this is me being greedy. Uh, the audience members that work with brands and that maybe work agency side. So it, both the single consultants and the freelancers, all the way to the agency owners and more. What is what is a piece of advice that you could provide to these brand marketers today? Yes, the way that I, I see it is, and sometimes we I get caught up. I'm gonna speaking to myself. <laughs> this is my own advice to myself. Is I get caught up with the tactics and the coolness of the marketing and all that stuff. At the end of the day, uh, I need to tie all of that back to what it, whatever it is that the that the client is trying to achieve, particularly, and how that's gonna help them. So, like giving the why to the cool stuff. That's the what, because <laughs> I get so caught up with shiny new things, mm. and I mm-hmm. think that's just it. Just makes it easier to communicate when. You, when you have a deep understanding of what the person you're trying to help out with, the person you're trying to accelerate the growth of the company, what keeps them up at night? What what gets them excited? What why is the the thing they're trying to achieve super important? And when you embed that into let's say the pitch or in terms of like here's how this is gonna help you take away that nightmare <laughs> or this is how this is going to help you mm. achieve that, that amazing goal. Like it's going to ha- get you that promotion <laughs> or so to speak, whatever, whatever they're really trying to achieve in turn as a employee in the organization, it's going to make the whole thing uh, a lot easier. So it's just something that I've been thinking a, a lot about is sometimes we need, I need to do marketing in my marketing pitches, so to speak. Absolutely. It's something that I think a lot of our listeners can save a lot of time and effort heeding that advice. I think you kind of touched on the same the same approach earlier when you're talking about, you know, why are engineers and devs the one writing some of the most crucial aspects of onboarding or crucial aspects of uh, someone's first touch with their platform? I think that's really that's a really good point. So Ramley, I do have one last portion of, of this podcast, something that I like to do. It's a rapid-fired question round. So 
I'm looking for gut answers. I'm looking for they can be single word answers or single sentence answers, but I'm not looking for more than anything beyond your gut response. And I think that this rapid fire question round is really good to help our listeners find some commonplace with you as well as understand, you know, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, how you're going to respond. And and these are pretty easy questions, at least some of them for me too, greedy. And I want to know. So I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with this first one, which is where do I go the next time I'm in Toronto for good Filipino food? Yeah, shoot. I forgot what it's called. It's like Kamayan or something like that. Or yeah, it's like this Boodle Fife. I think it's Kamayan. Yeah. Come on, I'll check it out. What was your first job? My first job was at Tim Hortons. I was making donuts. It'd be nice. one of the donuts were being made. A true Canadian through and through. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, then, a quick follow up. What was your worst job? Well, it was my <laughs> Tim Hortons. <laughs> oh, man. Just making great. coffee, dude. I couldn't uh, sleep. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're just sipping that fumes. all day. No, oh, it's just the coffee fumes. Oh just, my god! Just, you don't have to sip it, but like you are like I'm inhaling all this caffeine, which I didn't oh, realize wow. was possible. Oh geez, what is the first thing you marketed? First thing I marketed was probably myself. I think that's often forgotten is during job interviews was marketing myself. That's great. I know you mentioned that you do a podcast, and maybe remind our users what that is. But what is a podcast that you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I really love if people are into entrepreneurship, just the stories. And I love stories from how I how built how I built this by by Guy Ross uh, from nice. NPR. Really love Great the stories up. there. That's awesome. What is one of the apps on your phone that you can't live without? Yes, I would say probably my calendar app because every, anything that's not on my calendar doesn't happen, <laughs> even work. Got it. I experienced that with my booking error. <laughs> what is uh, right now? What is your most treasured possession? Material. What is your what is your, oh, what is your most treasured? Wife. <laughs> yeah. What is your most treasured? Oh, okay. We'll put that on the record though. Ramley's most treasured position position is his wife at the thirty five forty five minute mark. So you can send that to her later. What is your favorite material object right now? Yeah, I mean. It, Shoot, my phone. I'm okay. I, I would say it's like this little keyboard that I bought, this mini keyboard. I oh. like, just it's a great way to release stress, I guess, uh, and connecting back to making music. When oh, when that's sweet. Out. I wish this came up yeah. earlier, then I could talk more about music. Um, what is a, what is a business or marketing book that you'd recommend? A business or marketing book, I would definitely recommend How to Win Friends and Influence People. Something I read over and over each year to. Yeah, win friends and marketing is making friends and building relationships at scale. That's awesome. All right, this one, this one's a fun one. So, what is a life hack you'd be willing to share with our audience? Yes. Okay. I would say it's not really a hack. It's journaling. I mean, just writing down things that I'm achieving, things that I'm learning each day has mm-hmm. really helped me reflect more and be more thoughtful. I think that's if if I had to suggest anybody. If you're not journaling, it will really help you make decisions and what's influencing you. Really useful. And, and then finally, what was the last thing you Googled? <laughs> what was the last thing I Googled? It was probably this movie that I want. It was, it was probably Black Widow. I'm trying to figure it out because I know it just came out 
on Disney for for premiere for thirty bucks. I'm like, is this worth thirty dollars? Invite ten <laughs> friends <laughs> over, charge them five bucks each. Then <laughs> I had to buy food for them. I guess it's now a business. <laughs> no, I have a business movie yeah. showing. That's great. I, I'm I'm definitely really interested in watching that movie. I'm a big Marvel nerd. That's great. Thank you for answering that. I actually got one last quick question, but it's can I take a, a Zoom selfie that I can use sure. for a thumbnail here? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Amazing. Ramley, it was an absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit better, to get to know about how you view uh, the marketing world through PLG strategies, as well as the B2B approach. Loved hearing about the trends, loved hearing about your book. I think this will be definitely one of the episodes on Marketing News Canada where our users can can go and action a whole ton of stuff that you can that you've recommended and talked through today. So thank you for the time. Really appreciate getting to know you better. Thanks, Daryl. I really appreciate yeah. it. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.